Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning, everyone. We're going to be talking about meditation and uh, the insights that can come from it today. And so I thought we might start with a group meditation. So I invite you to settle into a comfortable position in your chair. Set your feet flat on the floor in a way that feels natural for you. Just be comfy in your chair, sitting upright but not straining. Allow your spine to be nice and tall so you can breathe deeply and easily. Take a moment to relax your shoulders and Just release any tension that you might be experiencing. Let us begin by taking five long breaths together. In and out. 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 Continue to center your awareness on your breathing. Allow yourself to enjoy a moment of relaxation. Let us begin by offering ourselves a blessing. Create an image of yourself in your mind, if you care to, perhaps as you are now, or maybe as a small child. Picture yourself in your mind's eye and cultivate a soft, loving heart towards yourself. Extend grace and love to yourself. I invite you to imagine yourself cupped in God's loving, tender hands. Just allow yourself to rest in God's sweet embrace for a moment. And now think with me in your mind May I experience God's love. May I experience God's rest. May I experience God's peace. And now let us extend our blessing to someone you love. Imagine your partner or spouse, a a good friend, a sister or brother. Imagine a child or parent, someone who brings you feeling of love and tenderness and care. Imagine this person 
in your mind's eye now. Open your heart to this person. Extend love and grace towards them. This is compassion. This is love. And now imagine this person cupped in God's loving, tender hands with you. The two of you are now in this warm embrace of God. Just let him or her rest with you in God's hands for a moment. And now think with me, if you would, may they experience God's love. May they experience God's rest. May they experience God's peace. What I know for sure is that our hearts can always expand, that there is infinite room for loving. And so let us now extend our blessing to someone perhaps that you don't get along with. There may be someone in your life that causes tension, anger, resentment, or negative emotions. Imagine this person in your mind's eye and recognize that they, too, are part of God's creation. Try your best to hold them gently in your heart with feelings of benevolence and gentleness. If feelings of anger or tension arise, just try to release these feelings to God. Let go. Open your heart to be freed of negative energies. Just loose them to God's care. And imagine, if you will, this person cupped in God's loving, tender hands with you. Just let him or her rest with you and your friends and your family in the hands of spirit. And now think with me. May they too experience God's love. May they too experience God's rest. May they too experience the peace that is God. Finally, I invite us to extend God's blessings to all beings everywhere. All that is, all that has ever been made, all that is and was and is to come, it's all held by God, sustained by God's love, blessed by God's Spirit. Imagine, if you will, a beautiful blue-green planet in your mind, Earth, full of the plants and animals and so many people, so many beings, this whole world in God's upturned palms. The whole world rests in God. 
and think with me now. May all beings everywhere experience God's love. May all beings everywhere experience God's rest. May all beings everywhere experience the peace that is God. And so it is. Welcome everyone, happy Sunday. We're using After the Ecstasy, the laundry. Jack Kornfeld. And in particular, we're talking about the idea of enlightenment. And last week I mentioned the word satori, and I'm not sure that I did the best job of uh, completely defining it. So uh, first of all, I, the, the minor letdown from last week was you don't just have a moment of enlightenment and then your life is set. It, it, it isn't like running a race and you're at the finish line and then, I don't know, eternal bliss follows. It's more like glimpses of unity, glimpses uh, of what comes next, glimpses into a world that works for everyone. And so it's that, that awareness of unity, it's that spark of divine intelligence. It comes, but it also goes. There is the enlightenment, the ecstasy, and then <laughs> the following day, there is apt to be laundry to do. Uh, but those glimpses are what in the Eastern tradition they call satori. And, uh, and what I'd like to do today is specifically illustrate some of the gateways into enlightenment, some moments of satori with you. And I'm following the teachings, uh, although it's coming from, from Jack's book, I'm really, it, it's the teachings of the Buddha. And the Buddha says there are about seven or eight different gates, if you will, for approaching enlightenment. Uh, if you get the book, of course, you can read about all eight of them. Three of them, though, I think are pretty common, and three of them uh, I wanted to focus on today because I think they're pretty approachable for most of us, and, and I think that we can actually relate to them. The first gate is uh, a tricky one. It's called the gate of sorrow. And you might say, well, how is it that sorrow or devastation or trouble brings about a moment of enlightenment. But if you think about it, if you think about what perhaps keeps us from enlightenment is our control issues. Now, who here is brave enough, along with me, <laughs> to admit that sometimes we have control issues? We have our lives moving along fairly evenly, fairly well, and we don't want anybody to mess with it, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, misery is what shows you that you really don't have control. And believe me, if we're in charge of organizing our life down to the last gnat's eyelashes, that is what will consume our life and we will not have the moments of satori. We will not have those moments of enlightenment. It is only when we give up that desire to really control the outside of things that we can experience the joy that comes with enlightenment. That idea of oneness with the universe, that picture of ourselves as expanding to, 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 to really reach the planet. 
And so it can be that in moments of great crisis, in moments of misery, if you will, we're able to finally be shown trying to control everything, first of all, is impossible, right? And when you think of moments where we're challenged on this, um, a, a big one is disease and, and old age. And I, 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 uh, speaking for someone who, by others, might be considered a senior, <laughs> uh, I will say, you know, things in my body don't work the way they did when I was 30. And there's a part of me, there's, and see if this doesn't resonate with some of you, there's a part of me that wishes to be 30 years old for at least another 200 years. <laughs> there's a part of me that, you know, will investigate all the supplements and who's interested to see if maybe turmeric will turn around a little pain that's in one of my knees. There's a, there's a part of me that looks at some of the ads on TV where the gentleman looks so much handsomer than their 50, 60, 70 years should be. And a part of me is investigating, well, if I really only have about half an hour to exercise, would, would this provide... Do you know what I mean? And... There's the invitation as you get older to recognize that we are not meant to last forever. There is the invitation that comes with aging and our body going through its natural end-of-life scenarios that invites us to not attempt to control that anymore. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do our best in terms of diet and exercise. And, you know, don't get me wrong. But with misery is the invitation to let go. With misery is the invitation to work on the inside and not struggle so with the outside. So let me give you a, 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 a little bit of an example. Because uh, you will also notice misery in other people, not just yourself, and it works both ways. So, um, gosh, this is about 20 years ago now. I had just entered into practitioner training, uh, just barely. So I had a basic knowledge of science of mind, and that was about it. And I got a call from the condo association where my mother lived in Newport, Oregon. Up in, I'm up in Portland. Um, she's down in Newport, Oregon, and uh, the condo association, actually it was their uh, maintenance guy called and said, have you been checking in with your mom much lately? And I said, no. And this gentleman said, uh, you may not be aware, she can't get out of her chair without assistance. And so, of course, I got on the call and talked to mom, and she's all cagey. And so finally it's like, so people are saying you're really not well. I'm going to come down and visit. And so I you know, took a couple days off of work from the telephone company, um, drove down to the beach, and oh my gosh. You know, I had thought mom's diabetes was well under control. I had thought she was taking care of herself. Um, you know, I was paying for a bit of housekeeping services for her and figuring things were lined up well for her, even though she wasn't in great health. I thought things were, I thought things were under my control. <laughs> so, so here's your first clue, things are in trouble. 
try, not only trying to control your life, but when you think you have some control over someone else's life, you know, that should have been my first clue. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, uh, offline sometime we can talk about how my mom was feeling, but how I was feeling was that I was responsible fully for another human being. If you've ever had truly a loved one who has been ill, gravely ill, uh, or near end of life, there is that sense of responsibility. I mean, uh, gosh, to have a parent that close to the end of her life and not even know what's going on, I felt like I needed to rush in. I felt like, you know, well, I'll quit my job. I'll move to Newport. I'll do whatever is necessary. And of course, with that impetus comes the feeling that the weight of the world is sitting on your shoulders. And so quickly, while I was down there, I arranged to have a nurse come and we sorted out her medication so that I knew she was taking the right pills, which she wasn't. And we sorted out a bunch of other things in the, in the real world, but I'm feeling like, so she's got to come and live with me. We got to sell, sell her condo. We need to do like 10 million different things. And Larry is kind of spinning out of control, right? It's like, do I need to quit my job? You know, what, what needs to happen so that this can be made better? Well, the nurse, I, I, I love this woman. Uh, the nurse we hired came and, and, and uh, we sorted out a bunch of things. And then uh, it was, m mom hadn't even had a bath in like three weeks. And so the nurse was going to uh, bathe her. And the nurse said, you know, she said, I don't get to prescribe things very often, but I'm making a prescription for you. You need to go to the beach for a couple hours and just chill because you're, I mean, if you're going to help your mom, you need to be sane. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I could see <laughs> that this isn't going so well. So, you know, you have the afternoon off. Uh, take, your, uh, take the dog to the beach and, and chill. And so, so sitting on the beach, I had a moment of Satori. Um, we had been studying the Buddha in one of the classes um, that I had here at the center. And the idea of the Buddha, of course, is to relieve suffering in the world, but not in the way you think. See, we humans relieving suffering is, well, I hired the nurse. I, I made sure that she's taking the pills she needs to take. I'm making sure that she's getting a bath. You see, all of this is attending to conditions, but not really my mother's suffering. What was my mother suffering from? My mother was suffering from not knowing that she was connected and loved in the world. My mom was suffering for not knowing how to control her life at the end of it. My mom was suffering because she was sensing most of the world that she knowed, knew and loved was being taken from her because of the aging process and disability. It wasn't so much what was happening, it was her perception of it. It was her turning unfortunate circumstances into true identification of misery and suffering. And in a moment, just sitting on the beach there uh, with my crazy little blind dog that I had at the time, it was as though, it was as though simultaneously something from God descended to me 
And at the same time, my, my heart sort of rose up into it, and I realized I needed to focus on the suffering and not what was wrong. And it was though the entire weight that I had been experiencing and thinking about just went away in that moment of Satori. And I realized, of course I can do this. All that's required is love and attention. It doesn't need a nurse, it doesn't need pills, it doesn't need anything. All it needs is the illumination of the suffering, not the conditions that cause the suffering, but the suffering. And so I just sat there uh, in great expectancy and love and feeling free, even as I went back to begin conducting a whole lot of affairs that needed to be resorted and figuring things out. But what I knew was my mother's happiness and suffering, my happiness or suffering, had no real bearing on what I did or didn't do. That it truly was in my heart and in my consciousness that love comes, that joy comes, that peace comes. And that even at the end of so-called life, which of course we know <laughs> it's just a transition into something that's different, right? Which is a piece of it, right? This isn't the end. It's a shift into something else. And so in that moment, there was Satori for me. So this is the gate of sorrow. This is the gate that invites you when you're in a moment of great sorrow, not to back away, not to, to, to try to dig in and start controlling things even harder on the outside. It's the invitation to step forward into the mentality behind the suffering and work at eliminating it. How can love help here? How can true compassion, not for necessarily what's going on with the body, but the mental reaction to it? Is there something that can be done, something that can be said, a prayer that can be done to eliminate the feelings of loneliness, to put aside the fears of growing older? It's not what happens. It's how we think about it. The second gate through which we might experience Satori, uh, the Buddha calls the gate of emptiness. And this is a very traditional one. This is the idea of meditation. And, uh, and it's cumulative. How many folks here are, are regular meditators? So would you say uh, maybe about a third of the folks here, probably on a daily basis or semi-daily basis, do some form of meditation? And what you're doing when you do that it is, it's kind of like a little bank account. Now, you, you can't assume that in any moment you're going to reach a moment of Satori. But what I tell you is you're building up the time towards those moments. Almost with each time you sit down to meditate, it's like taking a small step closer to enlightenment. Now, when are you going to have one of those enlightening moments? Boy, if I could predict that. Uh, <laughs> whew, we could make some money on it, couldn't we? But what I do know is that with each meditation, you are approaching the gate. And at some point, with some time behind your meditation pro uh, uh, program, 
you will have those moments of outrageous enlightenment where you feel blissed out. Have you, has anyone seen the Dalai Lama when he's meditating? He has this almost happy smile on his face. It's like, did he just eat something particularly good? It's meditating. It, it's contemplating the divine actually gets you closer to it. So that is the, that is the portal of emptiness and by emptiness, we mean letting go of our over-identification with our stuff and our things. So in meditation, we stop focusing on the externals. We empty our minds as best we can of the worries and the troubles and the stresses. And, uh, and by experiencing that emptiness enough, we approach Satori we begin having more and more of those illuminating moments when, when the world fades into the background and we feel full of spirit. The third portal is the gate of oneness. And I, uh, the little meditation I did earlier was hopefully uh, to give you a little more experience of that idea of oneness. And now, uh, this one has its practical applications too. Because Satori through the gate of oneness implies you are one with everyone and everything. Now in the little meditation I did, when I invited you to embrace someone that maybe uh, you had some issues with or a, a problem person, did I assume many of us felt like, a, oh, uh-oh, like I have to bring that person you know, into my peaceful spot you know, in the hands of God. So what you're witnessing when that happens is a spot or a blockage from being able to go through that portal of unity. You're, you're specifically saying, I have a problem with this person or with this uh, elected official or with this ex, you know, the husband. I learned a new word the other day, husband. I kind of liked it. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, when we have those thoughts about other people, right? Because I think, you know, my, my observation of people is we want our unity as long as you're not in it. So I'm all about unity, but there's a guy in Washington that isn't in my unity. And when I say that, I'm saying I'm ever so close to the portal of oneness and I'm refusing to take another step. Somehow I am choosing to say, no, nope, this kind of enlightenment is not for me. I'm going to hold on to the being ticked off and pissed off. and it's gonna, I'm sure it's doing some good somehow, even though... <laughs> Even though I'm kind of getting a stomach ache, just pretending. <laughs> so the portal of oneness requires forgiveness. And that's how you know you're approaching it, too. When someone or something has your stomach and your... Uh, you normally feel it either in your stomach or your chest. When someone or something, you're holding resentment around. You don't always be able to uh, really think of it in terms of, yeah, I resent them, but... But you'll know from your body, uh, you know, either a tightness in your chest or your stomach, when you think about someone or a certain situation, that is literally preventing you from enlightenment, from feeling satori through oneness. And all the prayers and the om shantis, as wonderful, <laughs> as wonderful as they are, 
that portal will be closed to you unless you can forgive. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to invite these people into your homes. It doesn't mean, I mean, there may be dangerous people in your lives. I don't know all of your situations. We certainly need to keep ourselves safe. There may be some people you just never see again. That's okay. It doesn't mean you have to be friends with people that bring negativity in your life or outright harm. Keep them at arm's length. That's fine. But here, we need to forgive them. Here, we need to allow that sense of oneness with all things. Okay, quick review here of the three gates that we're talking about. First, the gate of sorrow. You know you're approaching the gate of sorrow when you're being asked to let go of something that means the world to you. And it's usually either your or a loved one's health or life or uh, it might be their livelihood. When you feel that <gasps> things are out of control, literally you are inches away from one of the gates to enlightenment. And if instead of backing up and digging in and trying to figure out what can we do to keep things the way they are, uh, if instead you step forward and recognize that the only thing you have to do is give compassion and try your best to eliminate mental suffering, you sail through that gate. You become one of the the great avatars of, of love and light and compassion. You become like a Mother Teresa. You are able to have that healing energy because you're not fussing about the outsides, which are probably out of your control anyway. And you recognize that the power is on the inside. The power is in your consciousness. The gate of emptiness, we talked about the best way to approach that. Meditate contemplate, sit in the silence. With each passing minute and hour you put into your spiritual practice, you get ever closer to Satori. You get ever closer to that gate of emptiness. And then finally, the gate of oneness is primarily an exercise in unity and forgiveness. And so you know you're right up close to it when you have that burning, pissed-off feeling right where it gets you. That is the invitation not to lash out or not to stuff the feelings. It's the invitation to process the feelings and begin forgiveness. And when we forgive, we sail through that gate and we recognize that everyone on the planet is part of the same thing. Um, super quickly, I'm, I'm conscious of uh, maybe making us uh, a little over today, but uh, uh, Wednesday, this last Wednesday, I spoke in Lake Oswego on their Wednesday night service, and I, uh, I uh, started out with asking people if they thought maybe we were in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, and a couple of people kind of looked at me, and I said, well, there's fire and brimstone raining down from the sides, the sky, and we have... Uh, uh, you know, on the East Coast, you know, the, f the great flood is coming again. And, and a lot of us think there might be zombies in Washington, D.C. running things. And, uh, and, al uh, and although, although it got a laugh, 
although it got a laugh, this is the gate of oneness. This is us at the gate of oneness. If we resist the fact that forest fires can exist, if we resist and show hatred towards a teenager that did a really stupid thing, if we resist the idea that nature itself has the right and the power to devastate a a whole part of the country, if we think those things are evil and not part of God, we just took five steps back from the gate of oneness. We like what we like. I get that. We're human. We want what we want. We want never anything that we would consider bad to happen. We want all the people we care about and love to become millionaires. We want everyone healthy. You know, if we think about death at all, we think about it. Well, there was that one maiden aunt I had that just died in her sleep after she worked all day, you know, and that's the way I want to go. Well, you know, we can't control all that stuff. Satori is being okay with what is. So I'm going to close today with a a short reading from After the Ecstasy, the Laundry, and a Prayer. Meditation teacher Larry Rosenberg went to practice with a Zen master in Korea. During the journey, he undertook a pilgrimage to other masters and temples, and while traveling on a remote road, he came across a particularly elegant Buddhist shrine at the base of a mountain. Next to it was a sign in Korean, Way to the most beautiful Buddha in all Korea, and an arrow pointing to a thousand-step path up the mountaintop. The view was breathtaking in every direction. Larry decided to climb. The simple, zone, the simple Zen stone pagoda matched the elegance of the one below when he finally reached the top. But in place of the Buddha on the altar, there was nothing, only empty space and the gorgeous green-hilled vista beyond. When he went closer, at the empty altar was a plaque in Korean which read, If you can't see the Buddha here, you'd best go back down to the foot of the mountain. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one goodness. There is only this one thing, and I have to tell you, it encompasses fire and flood. It encompasses death and disease. It encompasses all of the things that we humans may not appreciate. But it is all. All of the love, all of the life, all of the joy, all of the peace. And it can be had without suffering, not without things going wrong. But as we give up our clinging to the way we wish things were, as we begin to move forward in the now, into living our lives as as freely and beautifully as promised to us, truly things become better. Those moments of satori, those, those ideas of enlightenment begin illuminating our paths more and more frequently. And so for the people within the hearing of my voice, I simply know that as we stand at these various portals with enlightenment right on the other side, that we say yes to forgiveness. 
that we say yes to contemplation and meditation, that we, we say yes to the ability to look beyond our circumstances and see the, the freedom to see the joy that can exist in every moment. And for this capability, for this certainty, that enlightenment waits. Moment by moment, I give great thanks. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So happy you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.